0: welcome to giraffe tango octopus freedom for humans with kirsten johansen kirsten and her guests are here to help you stop struggling with your own self-acceptance and teach you how to love yourself unconditionally now here's kirsten
1: welcome to freedom for humans where we talk about the ways in which we as humans can free ourselves from suffering by practicing unconditional love acceptance, and compassion for ourselves. I'm Kirsten Johansson, your host, and we have a very fun show with a very cool guest. (laughs) I'm going to just make a couple of little announcements, and then I'm going to go right into introducing her and our topic, which is the art of allowing. Um, So I just want to remind you, if you're having a little trouble sleeping, like I was, um, I used cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And I specifically used the app stellar sleep, and it really has changed my entire relationship with sleep. Now, am I sleeping eight hours a night all the way through? No, I'm not. But I'm also over 50 and menopausal, and I've had insomnia since I was a teenager but that's actually not the goal. I'm I'm almost every night getting this the amount of core sleep that's indicated in order for us to function well and feel well and my relationship with sleep is much different. It is no longer my nemesis. Uh, I no longer worry about it and fight it and get upset about it. So if you are having those kinds of issues and you would like to give it a try, you can go to StellarSleep.com and then enter slash GTO, StellarSleep.com slash GTO, and you'll get a nice 30% discount off that app if you are interested in coaching you can find me at giraffe octopus.com And similarly, if you have a new business or a product or a service that you would like to get the word out about, I can help you with that. So reach out to me um, at that same in that at that same website, giraffe octopus.com and we can talk about how to get the word out about your business. Okay, so I'm going to introduce our guest. I'm very excited about this topic and to learn more about it. Um, Today on the show, we have Jamie Lerner, co-author of the book, The Ever-Loving Essence of You. She can put a fresh spin on just about anything that anyone throws her way. Her unique and masterful ability to reframe even the most difficult situations is astounding. All of a sudden, your biggest nightmare becomes your greatest pleasure as she lovingly helps you sift through the contrast and find that small opening of light that quickly becomes your greatest jumping off point for clarity. Unassuming, reassuring, and seemingly without any sense of ego, Jamie Lerner is able to put everyone and everything at ease. Jamie Lerner is an asset to any corporate setting. She is easily able to untangle the issues at hand and move right along into helping facilitate a solution-based platform for creative, productive, good feeling, collaboration, and change. I just want to say that again. Um, a solution-based platform for creative, productive, good feeling, collaboration, and change. Very cool. Jamie Lerner can uh, most often be seen working with adults, teens, children, and couples, as well as with small groups. She never positions herself as the expert of anything and is always reminding you that it is you who knows best for yourself, always. Jamie is an integrative well being therapist who resides in the Chicago area, and you can find out more about Jamie at jamie learner.com. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you. Are you um, are you joining us from Chicago today or somewhere else?
2: No, I am. Actually, I'm in um, Barrington Hills, which is 30 miles out of Chicago in the country. And it's a beautiful day.
1: Oh, fantastic. Yes. I lived very brief- briefly in the uh, south suburbs of Chicago um, a number of years ago. But I really did. There was so much about it that I enjoyed not not the least of which was the food <laughs> we
2: have great food here but the oh. winter is a killer
1: <laughs> well it, it's funny because i when i say brief i really do mean brief and i i moved there for a job and it, w- it really was a kind of a catastrophe and i had to pack everything up and go back across the country to the west coast and we did it in the dead of winter wow and it was my first ever i'm from the pacific northwest where it's pretty i mean we have some winter but it's pretty mild and um i remember it was my first time ever going outside and only being able to show my eyes like everything was <laughs> 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 like everything was mummified except i had a one little space for my eyes
2: <laughs> yeah
1: it's a, it's a bit daunting <laughs> We are hearty people in the Midwest. Indeed. Indeed. Although there was some clear, even though it was super cold and it could be windy and snowy, there was some clear days Though it wasn't always gray. Yes. We do have some sunshine. Some sunshine. Some sunshine. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing I remember about that that's kind of special is that um, I was part of the recovering community. And, you know, we didn't really know anybody because we had to turn right around, you know, just a few months in because things really fell apart. And we just so happened to, you know, be next to somebody who was also in the recovering community. And all these people came that we didn't know and helped us load the truck uh, for pizza, for pizza. That's
2: wonderful.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I've, uh, even though I had that little catastrophe, I have such uh, good memories of that time really of being there uh near oh, chicago I'm so happy to hear
2: that yeah we're nice people that's
1: for sure oh very very much very much uh, and i was just chatting with you a little bit before we before we started i had to reschedule because i'm in this little tiny island in the mediterranean and my internet was spunky and i think um you were maybe traveling have you been on a trip uh, recently? uh y- yes
2: i have been traveling to the West coast where I love to be.
1: <laughs> oh, how, how was it? And where did you go? It's always nice there. I have
2: my youngest son lives there. So when I go, I go to visit him. He's in Pasadena.
1: So ah, yes, nice, beautiful. Pasadena is nice. Yes. Gorgeous. Okay. Well, um, I'm really fascinated by this topic, the art of allowing, So I wonder if you could just kind of I have some questions prepared if we we need them. But I wonder if you could just introduce us uh, to what that is. So the art of
2: allowing is truly a practice because it does take practice in order for us to um, operate from that place, because first it requires us to be very connected to ourselves and clear about where we are and who we are in the moment, which would mean that wherever we are in that moment, we are unconditionally accepting and loving that place and space. Because when we do that, and we're really comfortable in our own skin and connected to ourselves, we are then able to extend that same courtesy to other people. So our eye is very gentle and very non-judgmental, and we allow people in the most loving way to be who they are and where they are because we realize it doesn't have anything to do with us. That is just an amazing way to comport ourselves and to connect with other people all day long. Not so easy to do, unless <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. we are in that place of connection with ourselves. So that's like the beauty, because when we're connected to ourselves and really loving ourselves, we love everybody else. And when we're doing whatever it is that we feel we should be doing without asking other people, we are so good about allowing other people to be where they are and whatever they're doing seems great to us. So that's kind of the key to the art of allowing. Once again, it's an art, it's a practice, but once you get to that place of connection with self, it's so easy to do and to extend ourselves in that way towards other people and situations and everything. So it's kind of like turning it over but it doesn't feel like you're turning anything over. It just feels like you're allowing things to be the way that they are and you know it has nothing to do with it, cuz it doesn't.
1: Well, and the thing about that I find about practicing and I love the fact that you that you talked about it being a practice. I talk about pretty much every single thing that we talk about on the show. We talk about it being a practice yes, because there's hardly anything, particularly I think in this type of work, if we want to call it work, um, in this type of work there, I find there's no there, there, like there's no real destination. There's no point at which I say, okay, whew, I'm there and now I don't really have to try anymore. Um, I find it, yeah. And when
2: we understand things that way, it's so easy to embrace contrast, knowing that it is only the contrast that allows us to have new desires. So there are no bad moments, there are just moments that maybe are undesirable. But through that undesirable moment, we are determining for ourselves what would we like the next moment to be. And there is so much power in that. we allow it to be without judgment.
1: One of the little um, little mind tricks, if you will, that I use to not evaluate a particular moment, right? To not assign it a, a value of good or bad or, or anything else is to say, hmm, interesting.
2: And interesting is such a neutral word. It's wonderful because there is no judgment in interesting. It's just
1: interesting. Yeah. Well, and it triggers for me. It triggers curiosity. It it right. It triggers yeah. um, almost uh, even when something's pretty crappy. Honestly, like for real. When something's ugh, like pretty objectively, um, what what did you say? Undesirable. It it still triggers almost an anticipation of of what might be to come because it's all temporary.
2: It is all temporary and it's one moment and then the next moment. And I use that word a lot, loving curiosity, because if we can approach ourselves with loving curiosity, then I think we're so much more open to exploring who we are in the moment, exploring what we're wanting in the moment. Um, and really accepting that it's never about another
1: it is never about another
2: no that's a really hard thing for people to hear
1: it really it's, hard so okay let's talk about that because it's mm-hmm. very freeing it's very free yes it is but, very free <laughs> but or and and so let's first talk about why it's so hard and then maybe we can talk about also why it's so freeing.
2: I think it's really hard because we live in a victim mentality society where it's always someone else's fault, where we are not in any way encouraged to take personal responsibility for what we're thinking about, how we're feeling. And so to make that shift and to believe that actually, when we step into something called personal responsibility, we are the most powerful. We have the most amount of control that we could ever have, which means we let everybody off the hook for everything. And I mean everything. So everything is really a projection. When we are upset with another, it's really that we're upset with ourselves. And the minute we can go from them to Me, it's so freeing because then we have the opportunity to ask ourselves in the moment what is it in this moment that is disconnecting me from me? Instead of you need to change so that I can feel better.
1: Yes. So I read this, uh, I think it's a Buddha quote, um, and I'm going to not get it correct, but I'm going to paraphrase. It was something along the lines of, if we didn't judge ourselves, and we didn't judge anyone else, it would be like living in a paradise. Exactly.
2: And that's really how it feels. Once, once we can, Once we get it, we realize that we have so much control, like this is our superpower. So if you never blame anyone and you never hold anyone else accountable, then you're never disappointed. You're never unhappy. And you're always happily surprised because you get to evaluate yourself in the moment and understand what do you need from you? So you are the giver of what you need. How wonderful. (laughs) To me, that's super free.
1: It is very freeing. I, I have a friend and we we talk about this kind of stuff. It's nice to have a friend who is kind of on a similar journey and who understands the nature of practice and so forth. Because to some people, they just look at you like, okay, well, that all sounds great. Uh, but they have no real experience with what it might feel like to experience even brief moments of freedom when you are not involved in wanting to change the outcome of something, wanting other people to act differently, wanting the present moment, to go back to what you talked about in the beginning, the present moment can't be any different from what it is. Mm -hmm. But, But
2: the next moment can be whatever you want it to be, if it's up to you.
1: Exactly. There is a lot I find of wishing though, that the present moment would be different. But you can make the present moment different yourself
2: because you're in control of that. And that's the beauty of it. By shifting your thoughts, Mm -hmm. by shifting your eye, by shifting just physically where you are, shifting your body, so many things that you are in control of can control that moment or the next moment. Mm -hmm. But no one's going to do that for you, nor should they.
1: <laughs> Very true. I we sometimes i'll I'll just say we are one hundred percent responsible for yes. ourselves and our own lives. Which doesn't mean that there aren't difficult circumstances that we encounter. It it doesn't mean that people don't behave in ways that might be hurtful in some way to us. But as you were as you were just saying. If we put our energy toward being upset with that person or spinning in resentment about that person or determining the type of apology that should come our way in order for us to no longer feel upset about whatever they've done or said, oof. I mean, that is for me, that is a hell. <laughs> that
2: is if that does not a work. hell. It no. really doesn't. No. And people that stand on ceremony or principle, um, those people get stuck for a very, very long time. And they end up punishing themselves for something that they think they're punishing the other person for. The other person is just moving right along. They're not stuck, yet, but you are. Yes. So there's a choice there. You know, you're stuck. What do you want to do about it? Because you are the only one that can get yourself unstuck. Nobody else can do you- for you. And so that's where the power lies. Um, it's it feels really good to know that you can do all of this for yourself. So and I ask people like if you could create the relationship with yourself that you are wishing somebody had with you, mm-hmm. that would be amazing. What is stopping you? <laughs>
1: why is it do you think that we are taught socialized to look outside of ourselves for what you're speaking of for, you know, real allowing or acceptance or love of self?
2: I think from a very early age, we are coached to look out and not in. And I was very lucky as a, small child because the connection that I had with my mom was not exist. It was non-existent. So although they were amazing people and parents, I grew up in a household where no matter what we did, they were allowing of it and accepting of it gave us really nothing to push, push against. But I knew intuitively that it was really me and me that I was not going to look towards my mom to feel the connection with myself. I felt it with myself and I couldn't get it from her. So I trained myself at a very early age and all that was supported by people who really weren't connected to themselves. It worked quite well. And so I have been practicing this probably my whole life. So that was my lifeline connection with self no matter what at all times regardless of what was going
1: on outside of me interesting so it was allowed because there it sounds like there wasn't a lot of structure or expectation or discipline or requirements
2: right because okay my mom wasn't really connected to herself that way so she didn't she couldn't give me what I was asking for, and we have, there's five of us. So she just allowed whatever to be, to be, which was the most loveliest gift of all. Although it was confusing. Uh, I went half my life trying to like figure it out all along, staying completely connected to myself.
1: So you could from, uh, from childhood, because so often I feel like not everyone I've spoken to people who have no, not even an early memory, not even a very early memory of being connected to self of being accepting of self of being able to experience the the joys of being kind of a carefree little being before the, before the coaching the teaching before the stuff comes in that we're not, we're not enough. We're not good enough. We, we better come correct and, you know, behave in a certain way, et cetera, et cetera, depending on, you know, what those are in our household. But at least I have an early memory of being completely free being just being a, just a free little, little girl and walking out. And I think, I think my brother must've been in school, Um, And my dad was a teacher and my mom eventually went back to work. But, but at that time she was home um, with me. And I just remember sunny days, uh, the two of us, the sun coming in the front window, her doing, you know, things around the house and her little floral, uh, it was really, was kind of a house dress, I guess at at that time, it would have been maybe called a house dress with the little snaps um, down the front. And, um, you know, we did all sorts of things we read on the couch and we had the big picture books, the Richard scary books and <laughs> right. And she would ask me to find things and, you know, I was a very early reader and, you know, good at vocabulary and all that stuff. I'm sure, you know, partially from that, but also she, w- the thing I remember most was she would play airplane with me and like, she would swing me around by either both hands or an arm and a leg, or she would put me on the soles of her feet and I would, you know, fly like an airplane. And when I recounted that to her, she said, I, I'm shocked that you remember that you couldn't have been, you know, more than a year or 18 months old or something um, at that time. And so, you know, the, the, the coaching came pretty early for me. There were, I was the opposite. I had very high standards, very clear, high standards that had to be met in order for me to feel okay for me to feel like an acceptable, uh, kid. Like I wasn't on the verge of maybe getting in trouble in some way. Um, but I have that early memory to go back to, to remind me what it feels like to be connected and completely like joyful and accepting of the moment that I'm in.
2: And that is such an amazing place to revisit all the time because that is your inner being, your, you know, your inner knowing it, that is, you know, the ever loving essence of you, which will always be there. So, you know, it's like coming home to yourself over and over and over again, every time you revisit that and reassure yourself that
1: yes, that's still me. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So you said there were five of you. Five. So there are there're five of us.
2: I, yeah, there's five of us and um, we all grew up really independent and um it was it was interesting because whatever we wanted to do or try or whatever my parents supported us 100%. And I was always in trouble at school. I was rebellious. I knew for me I couldn't be influenced but I was never in trouble at home. You know, they were very like, okay. So it really allowed me to explore me, but know that that core connection needed to come from me. It wasn't like I could look out at the people that were taking care of me and feel like I'm, you know, I need to know I'm okay. There wasn't that. It was more like I knew that I was okay because I wasn't going to get that, but everything was okay. So it's like my mom was not connected to herself. She was very busy doing wonderful and amazing uh, things. And, you know, I just think that maybe if, if I was prettier or smarter or this, but I realized none of those things would really make a difference when someone is not connected to themselves, it's very hard for them to connect with others in a deep emotional way. So emotional needs that I had, I met them through myself, reassuring myself when that was okay, not necessarily having any consequences, like I was never in trouble. So, um, But to be held by my mom was a very empty experience.
1: Oh, you could feel, you could, I could feel, you could the feel disconnection. that she wasn't, present. she wasn't there. She wasn't present in herself exactly. enough to then use exactly. that pure self to yeah. connect directly with you. Yes.
2: And there are a lot of people like that. And then we are asking those people to give us something. They can't. Like,
1: They don't even know what we're talking about. Okay. Um, We need to take a quick break on that note, which is very profound, everyone. I want to come back and follow up on that. Um, You're listening to Freedom for Humans, and we will be right back.
0: voice america at facebook.com forward slash voice america for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts are you tired of overeating overspending drinking too much or being in relationships that drain you do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness you don't have to live this way you can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at giraffe Today, our forties sit firmly
2: in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead, but now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: you're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome
1: back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host, and I'm here with Jamie Lerner. And before the break, we were really just talking about how if you are not connected with yourself it's really impossible to truly connect with another and that we seek that connection from people who cannot give it to us and can you talk about I'm sure you've probably worked with lots of people that are um, trying trying to work their way through a situation like this Can you talk about how that might manifest um, where you see that commonly?
2: Well, it's interesting. It manifests a lot in marriages. You know, people will be attracted to each other for whatever reason. And sometimes it's unconsciously something's very familiar. So we would be attracted to someone who, if we weren't emotionally connected to a parent, but we're seeking that, we would unconsciously, be connected to someone who was unavailable. That's the word I like to use unavailable because they are there physically, but emotionally not available. We spend a lot of time wasting our time kind of reenacting that whole period of childhood with a person that reminds us of someone in our home that was unavailable. And then we want that person to change because we believe the only way that we will feel better is if they would be more available to us. Mm -hmm. It does not work that way. If we were more available to ourselves, if we could redirect our attention inward instead of outward and get a good sense from ourselves about ourselves, what do we need? It's amazing how much we have within ourselves that we can give ourselves. And ideally, to get it from someone else, it does not
1: sustain us. It's exactly. very
2: short lived.
1: Yes. I was thinking about that earlier when we were talking about maybe having a resentment and you know just wishing that somebody would apologize to us or act differently or something. And even if you get an apology, or even if you get the apology that you think is going to somehow be the salve that, you know, heals the wound. In my experience, it does not do that. It, it, it falls far short. Yes. Because your resentment is yours. It's exactly. Yeah. There's, you have a part. And usually at least my, in my, the only way I was able to just, Oh man, I had a whopper. I just had a whopper of a resentment that, it was on me like a bad jacket and, you know, the, the circular thoughts and the, you know, I'm just trying to mind my business in the kitchen. And there I am having a conversation with this person yet again, who's not even there, (laughs) even though I don't even want to be having this conversation. And I tried so many things. And then I went back to something that I knew how to do, you know, from all of my previous work. And I did a, a really detailed inventory of the things that were still just really felt wounding in some way, um, and what their impact was, and then the the pièce de résistance is what was my part. <laughs> That's in each thing, in each little little to big thing, and almost always, as you, so you were talking just a moment ago about us looking for. We look for what we didn't get in people who can't give it to us. Yes. And we we often, if you're somebody like me who has a fair amount of trauma in their background and stuff, who just, not anymore, but who previously just thought, well, if I just work hard enough, if I, <laughs> if I just try hard enough and work hard enough and I'm just good enough, then surely I'm going to get this outcome. And so I would tend to stay too long. In whatever the situation was, usually it was a romantic uh, situation, but it could be something, you know, it could be a friendship that's not good for me, or it could be a job that, you know, I don't belong anymore. And so, you know, sometimes it was a matter of just, just purely forgiving myself. There you go. And that's the key. And that's it. Staying somewhere where I was being hurt. Where you were allowing yourself. Yes, where I was allowed. Yes, thank you. Where I was, (laughs) yes, I was allowing myself to be hurt. That is absolutely the truth. Yes. But
2: When we ask ourselves, what was our part? That's a gift to us, from us every single time. Even the question itself
1: is a gift.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It can be not. Do you find that people sometimes struggle to see their part or understand their part because they're trained they're so trained to focus outward?
2: Yes, and when we do this with humor and loving curiosity and make it fun, then it's easier. And it's not a big deal. Then it becomes like a treasure hunt that's mm-hmm. fun. Mm. Instead of a way to blame ourselves and feel bad about ourselves, most of us are already doing that all day long. anyway and if, that's not working either.
1: You know, no, it is not. <laughs> so. If if it worked, we would have ever we would yeah. have the body we want, and the and the job we want, and the money we want, and the house. Yeah. We, we would have every single thing we want yes. if if self recrimination was effective.
2: <laughs> and we're usually the hardest on
1: ourselves. So the
2: conversations that we have with ourselves, the tone, I mean, they are only funny because you probably wouldn't talk to another person like the way you talk to yourself. It's really (laughs) all the self-deprecation. I mean, it's hysterical. If you can take a step back and really hear it, I mean, you just have to throw yourself on the floor and laugh. It's ridiculous.
1: It it is ridiculous. And I love that you talked about humor because losing our sense of humor in this life or just not being you know, like forgetting that in any moment like sometimes all if I'm in the you know I practice presence and I practice all the things that we're talking about but it is a practice and so sometimes I find myself suffering uh, what I like to say is suffering at my own hand right because suffering is a choice suffering is preventable yes, pa- but pain is pain is human still- suffering is a choice
2: I like the idea that if you are choosing to suffer and you're acknowledging it to yourself, then I applaud you. You're not a victim. You're choosing it. And then when you choose to let it go, forgive yourself, whatever, that's a choice too, which means that every choice that you make about yourself is your
1: own choice, which is so
2: powerful
1: once again. Yes. Yes. It's, I, I sometimes um, just talk about, it, do a little investigation, like become a little detective for your own self and instead of, be, you know, cause I hear people beat themselves up for beating themselves up, <laughs> you know, I'll say, it's Oh, it, well, it is kind of, it's very, <laughs> dil, it is a very sort of human Dilbert Situation because somebody will be hard on themselves and say, Wow, you know, here's here's what I hear. You know, you do a little mirror um, and you kind of reflect back, and they'll say, Oh, oh, I always do that. Why do I do it? I'm like, Okay, stop. (laughs) Hold on. Let's have a compassionate conversation with ourselves. My microphone. Let's have a compassionate conversation with ourselves and say, Well, what's going on? What? What do you need? What, why do you think, why do you think this is happening right now? And sometimes it's just a habit. Yes.
2: Yes. And, which, you know, if you understand it as a habit, then you also have a choice in the next moment to let it go. And living moment to moment allows you to do that. It's one moment. And then you're choosing something else for the next moment.
1: Yes. Yes. I was, um, having a chat with somebody and, uh, there, I did a little business arrangement and it was off book, you know, no contracts, some cash changed hands, things I wouldn't normally do. Um, but I did it and I knew that maybe it was a bit of a risk and it was with a friend and blah, blah. Well, uh, I held up my end their end didn't get held up. Um, the money has not come back to me. I did have a conversation with the person. Um, and, you know, in a very calm, uh, friendly, kind way, just expressed what I thought was correct and what I thought would be right. Um, and, you know, the person did agree to pay me back. No, they haven't. And I don't know if they ever will. And so I was speaking with a friend and I, I could hear that friend really kind of start to spin up over whether, well, did you get paid back? And, well, and I, I just said, well, you know, I got to say what was important to me and that person committed to pay me back and I have no control over the outcome and whatever happens is information for me going forward. So I don't care anymore. It would be helpful, sure, to be paid back, but I don't, I'm not carrying that thing that we carry where we think about it and we try to figure out how to make the outcome, be what we want the outcome to be. And what should we say to that person? And how can we get them to do what we want them to do? Like I, that's to me, that is suffering. Yes.
2: And it's completely unnecessary and it's not going to make one bit of difference in terms of the outcome (laughs) because you're not in control anymore. I mean, you took control of your part. And now you exactly. turn it over because you have to allow the other person, however it's going to be. But it's interesting that you acknowledge that when you went into it, you kind of had a sense, an intuitive knowing, yes. was tapping you on the shoulder, kind of suggesting that, oh, you know, maybe this isn't such a good idea, but you heard it. And you made a conscious choice I did. to go forward. And so another great example of how we, at every single moment, know what's best for ourselves if we choose to listen and t- tune in. And just to acknowledge that we did hear but chose not to do what we thought was best, that's really powerful too. It reinforces that we do know for ourselves.
1: Yes. So um, that is a great segue because I would love to know how you, if you can maybe give a few tips or strategies for people who might not be used to being connected um to their inner voice because i agree with you I, I mean people can make suggestions and people can be mirrors in some ways to us and and they can give us feedback which frankly sometimes is not helpful at all uh and then we just have to spend energy what i say uh eating the chicken if there is any and throwing away the bones uh sometimes it's all bones <laughs>
2: well so we have- the more we are asking others what they think i think is a great indication that we are not tuning in and asking ourselves the question that we're actually avoiding that's how we go through our life avoiding addressing ourselves and knowing ourselves because we ask everyone else what they think now we're not doing anything with what they think maybe we'll think about it but it's almost like a distraction and a diversion from ourselves instead of sitting with ourselves and asking ourselves first and foremost. And if we did not ask, but sit and listen for the answer, we would hear it. And we would be internally guided to what would be best for us because we do know at all times what's best for ourselves. We are our own greatest resource. We're not used to hearing it. But that is true. And I have never heard anyone say, I should not have listened to myself. I hear people all day long say, I should have listened to myself. Yes, And when I stop people dead in their tracks and ask them to say it again, then they think to themselves like, wow, like I really did know. Mm-hmm. You always know.
1: You always know.
2: For yourself, not for others. You don't right. know anything for others, except you
1: always know for yourself. It's interesting how much time we spend, though. <laughs> think, <laughs> laughing. I mean, there's a whole in- there's a whole uh, type of TV now. I mean, if you tune into reality TV, which I do sometimes, um, it really is an excellent example of people believing and expressing that they believe they know what is right. For other people, why are they doing that? Why don't they do that? Why are they in that relationship? Why did they wear that? What is going on with them?
2: Yeah, it's a mental distraction from self for because itself. they don't have a clue for themselves.
1: Well, that's the thing. So it's funny to me that that is almost like a it's an activity, like an, it's an activity more than anything else. I mean, it doesn't really have any meaning. Well, it,
2: it could have meaning, though. If we would allow ourselves to catch ourselves every time we're judging someone else, and that mm-hmm. would be for most people all the time. Right. Then, And we could then say to ourselves, oh, my goodness, like, this is clearly production in this moment. I'm yes. like not connected and I'm not feeling really good about me. Because if I were, I would not be looking outside of myself with this unkind eye. I would be looking outside of myself with a very kind eye. And I would see all the beauty of everything going on around me, including how this person dressed or didn't dress, but it really wouldn't make a difference to me. I would just be like, wow, that's like wonderful. Mm -hmm. But it's always like, look what that person's wearing. Look what that person's doing. Look what that person's saying. Like, who cares? There's nothing to do with you.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
2: It's just projection. So it could have a lot to do with you. So the question is, how am I feeling about me? In this moment, why am I so other outwardly focused?
1: And also, I don't know, I'm curious what you think about this. I mean, I I was for pretty much my whole life until I was causing me a tremendous amount of suffering and was driving pretty much everything in my life that was taking me down paths that were not for me, um, where I just kept trying and trying and working and working and never really... I was suffering a lot and nothing was ever nothing was ever good enough and I didn't I did it only in closed company but I mean I could assassinate some character some appearance some life I mean I could be just super mean and critical and judgmental and the only reason that I could do that did do that and had all of the ammunition, I guess, if you will, is because I was doing that to myself constantly. So I was filling myself with that. And so that is what came out of me either in, in sort of demonstrating these high standards that I silently thought everybody should meet or in closed company, just literally uh, being an assassin. So
2: when we understand that we take nothing personally, from another person. Because when somebody is unkind to us, and we understand it as a clear and accurate reflection of how they're feeling about themselves, right. we have compassion, we are able to then not take it personally and take it on. But to feel like, wow, like, I am so sorry, you're feeling that way about yourself. We're not going to say that to that person, right? We don't need to. But we're not gonna be offended by anything or anyone. And that's another very freeing way to move about the world. We take nothing personally. If somebody is treating us the way they feel about themselves and it is not positive, they're treating everybody that way. But mostly it is affecting themselves. That's where the compassion comes That's where I really feel so like, not badly for someone, but deeply mm-hmm. for someone. And then I send them that compassion, that love, that, and it's amazing. It's hard for people that feel that bad to sit with them. It's hard for them to receive, them. but yes, I think that's our best. <sighs> that's the best thing we can do for ourselves and for another
1: yes i i agree i since i began these practices and healed and grieved and forgave myself and all the things that sort of we we do when we enter this process of healing i i i couldn't do any of that i i i mean i'm not holding myself back from it i'm not like saying Oh, well, I know better now. And even though I think all these negative things, I know not to apply. I don't, they're not in me anywhere. I see people. I don't, I don't see what they're wearing. I don't see what they, I don't, it just, it doesn't even register anymore. I see them. I see what they're going through. I hear what they say. I, I see kind of the, you know, and I feel the experience that I have with them. But there is no judgment anymore because I don't try not to. Mostly, I don't judge myself anymore. Yes.
2: And that's a beautiful gift to self and all others. Yes. And all others. Yes. So I tell people, if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for others. If, if you cannot do anything for yourself, if you do not cannot have self-care, do it for the people you care for because it will feel better to them. It'll feel better to you. But if yes. you're not buying, buying that, great.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. for them. Yes. So um, there was something I saw on your site and um, we have about, we have a little over five minutes left. So I wanna see if we can get this in and then check in with you toward the end of the show. What are unconditional relationships and how do we create them?
2: I think once again, when we take personal responsibility and we don't have expectations of other people to be something other than what they are so we can feel better, that's unconditional. This idea of allowing. So I have a friend that reaches out all the time and wants to get together and then they cancel all the time. So I'm fine with that. I am very aware and clear that we're gonna have a plan. And then I make a backup plan for myself, because I just know this is the way she is. And so when she cancels, I have something else to do that makes me happy. Or a friend who's late all the time. Mm -hmm. So I would never expect them to be on time. And then when they're late, then that's just who they are. And it's not about me. So it's really about taking the personal responsibility for yourself to allow the other person to be with you. That's it. Then you get to choose if you want to spend time with them, don't want to spend time with them. Right. But the co-creation of an unconditional relationship is fucking joyful. (laughs) That's all. I mean, (laughs) because there's just, there's none of the bullshit. It's like, there's no disappointment. There's no guilt. There's no, it's just really a nice opportunity for two connected people to just like hang out
1: mm-hmm. and that
2: feels really
1: good I I love that though you use those examples too because those might be and you did say you 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 accept those things you, sec, you accept them as they are you you make a plan for yourself you know that it has nothing to do with you and you choose whether or not you want to spend time with them or continue to have them in your life or not okay. so it's all, it's all your choices. Those are all yes. your choices. Yes. And so you still get to have because people are not all one thing, right? Of course, oh. maybe they're late always, or maybe they cancel most of the time. And also they have s- s- some lovely, exactly.
2: wonderful,
1: fun, interesting yes. things that you want
2: to have in your life. Yes. yes. Okay. And get past that. You can really enjoy their company. You know, and so people are late all the time. They are late all the time everywhere they go. Yes. Or when they're early, or, you know, it's just a a pattern of who they are, but they're not doing it to you. Right.
1: (laughs) They're just doing it.
2: They're just, that's just who they are,
1: you know? They're just doing it. It kind of makes me think of if you have people in your life that are kind of critical and judgmental and negative and complain. And you can choose to be with those people or not. Yes, it's your yes. choice. Yes, and you can choose to not allow the criticisms, the, the negativity, the complaining. You can see it, notice it, have a sense of humor about it, perhaps. Unless it's if it's directed at you, you might have to. Uh, you I can don't know.
2: Choose to allow it to affect you or not, or not. It's not really directed at you. Mean people are not directing anything at anyone except how they feel about themselves. Yes. So nobody can be mean to you ever again, ever.
1: (gasps) Or cruel to you
2: or angry at you. None of of it. It could just be, okay, this is how this person is feeling about themselves in this moment. And okay.
1: Okay. I'm just going to review that. Nobody can ever be mean to you again. Not really. No. Just Unless being... you allow it. Unless you allow it.
2: What are you actually allowing? I mean, like people don't have that kind of power over you. Right. Nobody has that kind of power. You have the power over yourself to allow people to be where they are. And then you get to be where you are. And sometimes to in the most loving way excuse yourself from a situation that is self-care. That's powerful too. And you can do it without judging the other person.
0: You don't even right. need a
2: reason. They don't have to be wrong because you're excusing yourself. It could just be a moment, and you're going to excuse yourself, and that's it. And on to the next moment,
1: and on to the next good. moment. And that's it. Okay. Well, this has gone so <laughs> fast. This has gone so <laughs> fast. Okay. So before we run out of time, do you want to um, tell everybody uh, where to find you again and what you have going on? So I have the website uh,
2: jamie-learner.com and I have a great service that I love. It's called the Quickie, a lovely texting option where people, they purchase blocks of time and they text with me and I text back with them. And the reason I love it is because then they have this ongoing transcript of what they're texting to me, what I'm texting back. And lo and behold, they realize that they knew for themselves all along. And that's, what I love
1: about this. That is fantastic. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us on Freedom for Humans. Everyone, have a great week. Love yourself, free yourself, be yourself, and dance your own tango.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope we have helped you learn to love yourself unconditionally and accept and celebrate everything that makes you, you, Tune in next Wednesday for another episode, and in the meantime, dance your own tango.